When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Game Prototype, a horror game. We're opening up spring registration for our course, perfect for a total beginner to make your own game prototype in Unreal 4. Within the We Make course, you can choose from three disciplines, design 3D art or UI, UX artists. Even learn all three at no extra cost. In addition, you'll have a game industry professional meeting with you every week to guide you through the weekly assignments. If you're interested, you can pre-register for the course anytime before class starts. We are taking in a limited amount of students to keep the learning experience intimate and personal. Email BrandonFam at GameSchoolOnline.com for more info. Gentlemen and ladies, that's right, switch the order this week. Boys and girls, this is Game Dev Unchained, the number one podcast on the video game development industry from the inside. This is Larry Charles, your host, and of course, because he's got the best recipe for movie popcorn and butter, Mr. Brain Fam. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode. Please, please say hello to our special guest, Don Carlos. Woo, hey, Don. Hello. How's it going? Good, good. It's another... Awesome foggy day in SF. So. Oh no, no. Good. No, it's the, best. it's the summertime. I know. I love it though. <laughs> uh, how's the temperature? Everything cool? Yeah, it's actually really cold. I actually just got back from Montreal for a week. I went oh. there for a workshop, and it was like in the eighties, nineties, really, you know, hot and all that good stuff. And it was, uh, it was hot, and it was nice to come home to some cold. <laughs> wow! So you can time travel? <laughs> yeah, dude. In the from 80s, the future. Nineties. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's a terrible joke. No, it's uh, so, all good. <laughs> so, so. Um, Don, we want to thank you very much for coming onto the podcast as we're continuing our series and exploring concept art and character art. Uh, you definitely are a heavy hitter that we wanted to talk to. <laughs> um, and I know this is Brandon's line, but we usually like to start with kind of going over the resume so that the people in the audience can get a feel for who you are and what you've done. So can you take us on a lovely stroll through your experiences in the game industry? Um, so I started off in the game industry about six years ago. Actually, this August, exactly six years ago. Congrats. Um, Congrats. I started as an intern at Kabam and, um, I was there for about three and a half years. I got laid off my first layoff. Uh, and then, um, I basically, um, have been jumping around. I, I got some freelance work with Zynga for a little bit contract. And after that, I went back and contracted with Kabam, and then ever since then, I've been at WB Games for the last uh, two and a half years. Very so, nice. mostly working in mobile, but um, yeah, whatever concept art work I can get here and there. So, uh, so some moonlighting too? What's that? So, any moonlighting as well? What do you mean by moonlighting? Uh, you know, so you go home from work as a concept artist, and then you're like, hey. Oh, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've done a lot of freelancing in there. I've done some freelancer fantasy flight games and, like, various gotcha. clients. I've done, you know, a couple of gallery shows in there. And when I'm not doing that, I go home, I either play video games or I draw some more. So. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And, awesome. and I, education-wise, I went to a school called the Safe House Atelier, which was um, run by Carl Dobsky and Massive Black in San Francisco. Um, it's no longer in SF. It's in L.A. now, and... Um, I did that while pretty much go, you know, being in an internet kabam. My pretty much my whole intern was like, "We can't hire you until you finish school." So, did both at the same school. time. So okay. that's cool. That's cool that they kind of drove you to, you know, finish your yeah. degree. They're like, "Hey, yeah, we want you to be somebody." But uh, one of my old articles there, um, Jim Pearson, super nice guy. He actually like after a first year interning there, because I had you know helped them launch a game, and I was working on a second game with them. He actually came up to me and was like, "Hey, we're giving you this offer, even if we know that you're going to deny it, because you know we're not, you know, you're not going to leave school." So it was really awesome having full time work while I was in school, because it number one, it made graduating easier. Cause I don't have to worry about work, yeah. um, and it was also awesome because it paid for school. So um, wow. Yeah, and, I, and it's not a degree school. There's no student loan, so I was paying out of pocket, which is significantly cheaper in the long run, and that worked out. And as soon as I was done, um, my old boss, Josh Veers, he was my lead. He's like a good friend now. Josh but, Veers? Yeah, you know Josh Veers? 
I work with them at 2K. Uh, awesome. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. No, I he's, did. He's, he's a really good friend, and he's, like, one of my favorite people. And the day that, you know, the day that they gave me my offer, shortly after I said I was leaving school, he actually came to my house. He was like, hey, I'm going to deliver some um, files to you. I'm not going to be at work tomorrow. But mm-hmm. in reality, he actually delivered my offer letter. So it was nice. a really nice What a it was slick sweet. bastard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It was awesome. That's awesome. That's a good story. Let's, very, let's, o- let's open that up a bit. Like, it, that's yeah. a rare, rare opportunity to be oh, offered, totally. like, yeah. a job and being able to pay for your schooling tuition. Yeah. Like, was, was there a specific reason why you wanted to finish school and not just go full full on to the... Well, the school that I went to, was it wasn't a was, college. There was no degree in it. So right. whatever you got out of it was what you put in. Um, I went there specifically for the training to train with, you know, Carl Dobsky, right. who's a fine art painter. But he's also done work, you know, as a concept artist. And um, that was the main reason why I did that. So leaving school early would mean I'd have to cut that out. And right. you know, I was more interested in getting a good art education than I was for a piece of paper. And, and quite frankly, like, you know, for me, at the time, my education was more important about my job, even. And, um, you know, it, it was very academic training. We were doing, like, cast drawing, yeah. cast painting, figure drawing, figure painting. In the afternoons, we'd have um, concert art classes, which were usually run by, you know, one of the guys at MB. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was a very on-hands, you're-there-working-all-the-time all the time kind of school. Yeah. And I didn't want to leave that prematurely because I wanted, I wanted, the, I wanted the training. And yeah. I, I kind of miss it every now and then, actually. Yeah. You see, Larry, this is the difference between a good school and a bad school. Oh, <laughs> Usually the bad, you know, bad schools you hear it all the time. It's like, oh, man, I'm taking all these classes I don't want to take. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm paying all these extra tuition that I'm going to end up owing later. But you're, you have the, like, the reverse where, where you're working with mentors, like people yeah, that you admire. And yeah. you're soaking that all up and you don't want to pass that opportunity. Yeah. And, it, you know, it was honestly the best education I could have asked for. I mean, it was like it was just. You know, you kind of went in that school knowing what you were getting. You had to kind of go to that school knowing that this was the education you were going to get. And, you know, people were there and they tried it a little bit. Some people left a little early because it wasn't what they wanted. But most of the people that go there, um, it's not an easy school to get into. So they really worked hard to go there. And it kind of really fostered this environment of everybody working really hard because they everybody wanted to be there. And there was nothing in it but the training. And that, quite frankly, was one of the best environments I could have ever been in. And, you know, the alumni are amazing and they're some of my best friends. And it's nice that actually a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, we are looking for like a junior, an intern. And I'm going through my list of like people I work with and people in school. And I was like, oh, wait, we're all like mid-levels or higher. There's not really anybody as an intern anymore. And it was really mm-hmm. cool to see that. Yeah. Um, and at Kabam, actually, we had hired, I think, after me, there was like maybe three or four more interns that went through Kabam that were from the Safe House Atelier. And it's just because everybody had that work ethic and there was already that connection. But, you know, everybody that was an intern there had moved on to becoming a full-time 2D and all that good stuff. So it was it was a good good group of people. Well, that's so. awesome. And I'm glad to hear that everyone together was progressing as a group. Like as yeah, a I mean, unit. yeah, I mean, it was a hard school to be in. And, you know, it was a lot of work. It's rigorous. It was, you know, it, it wasn't easy. But, you know, everybody, you know, we kind of like basically second family out of it just because we've been through so much. You know, Um, my boyfriend, John, who's also a concept artist and illustrator, he went there and his first year he actually lived in a closet. Mm. What? Because what he could afford. (laughs) What kind of Harry Potter shit is that? Dude, it's Harry Potter shit. I know. But he's like six, seven. So I don't know. He was Uh, walking back behind me. I don't know if you can see him, his head over, but he's like six, seven. So, you know, people did some crazy shit. Like I commuted four hours a day. We had another student who was working night shifts and, you know, people, people who went to the school, like really wanted to be there. And it was, it it sounded like you really, really wanted to be there because a regular closet, as you can tell in San Francisco, is probably like a shoebox. He he actually lived in two closets. The (laughs) first one was six, six by 6'6", six, six, so he had to sleep diagonally. And yeah. the second one was actually like a really big walk-in coat room, so he had a little more space. He had space for a little desk and a floor bed. <laughs> Jesus, man. Talk about started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, shout out to you and your boyfriend for surviving and getting through. But, I bet you, you know, it's we, a lot better now. We had, yeah, oh, much better. I mean, our apartment's still pretty small. You could consider it a closet by most apartments. Another <laughs> right. city, but for San Francisco, it's pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, dude, that, man, I'm so That's, sad. Like, for a Titanfall toy, you know? Oh, yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 
Well, let well me just to, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Like, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. One last question. Like you, you kept mentioning how hard it was getting in school. Like, can you give like a like a slight overview of uh, how how you get into that program? Like, just well, to it's a little different now, and it was different then. It was different for everybody. Um, I got lucky, and I met Carl Dobsky at a Master Black workshop in Dallas, and I talked to him and. I told him I was interested in coming out for the school, um, and uh, I showed him my sketch version portfolio. Months later, I emailed him, and he accepted me, and I got in. But I know other students who had to do way more, who had to constantly keep emailing him before they even got a reply. So everybody got it different ways, um, but I, I guess I was lucky, and I got in early. Um, I, he actually said that he saw something in my sketchbook, which was really nice to hear. Cause that's like my favorite thing to do. And, um, yeah, I got in, I moved out and it was awesome. I was like 19 at the time and, you know, I've had some family out here. So I stayed with them for a little bit. I was commuting. I wasn't in a closet, but I was commuting almost four hours a day from Union wow. City to Spay. So I didn't know how to drive. So, yeah. you know, oh, man. yeah, but it worked out. We actually ended up getting an apartment that was like a block away from the school. So I went from a four hour commute to a four minute commute. This is like one of the best success stories I've ever had the pleasure of experiencing. <laughs> I, I like, feel like I had it easier. There were other students that were like working harder jobs. I was working at Bed Bath & Beyond 20 hours a week back when you could afford to live in San Francisco and work 20 hours minimum wage. So that now that's... Been, yeah, you are a time traveler because I have no <laughs> idea when that well, was. What are, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> oh, 2009? Yeah, we had a $1,000, 250 square foot apartment downtown Soma, 7th and Howard, with a rooftop deck and hardwood floors, and we were like two hundred and fifty so square happy. foot apartment. <laughs> two hundred seventy-five. Two hundred seventy-five. <laughs> okay, so that every is, feet counts, Larry. Yeah, we um, we actually That's both a little less both, than like uh, two rooms. Yeah, we actually well, it's a studio actually. Yeah. We actually both moved into. Um, I moved on Bart, and then my sister brought more furniture for us. Mm-hmm. Um, Eventually, but my boyfriend moved in the back of a taxi and I moved on BART. I had two suitcases mm-hmm. and I was working at my bath and me all the time. And I actually, one day after my shift, I just bought bed sheets, plates, everything because we didn't have any of it. So it worked out. It was good. Full out. <laughs> was, I'm so happy for you. Like, this is like, I, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I legitimately am like <laughs> so happy. I'm like doing the Will Smith clap that you're in pursuit of happiness for I, you. I, honestly, in my I mind. Think, like, had awesome. it luck. Like, you know, before I had the Kabam job, hang on, this laptop's going to fall off, so I'm going to fix it quick. No uh, you know, my parents helped me out a bit. You know, they, did, they couldn't help every month, but like anytime they could send something, they sent. And um, I had it pretty lucky, and I came out of it with not really a lot of student loan debt. So that was really nice because <laughs> um, I actually, oh, I forgot my resume. I actually taught at the academy for a semester, and mm-hmm. hearing what my students had to pay for, I was like, whoa, you guys, I yeah. never paid that much. Yeah. And I'm teaching you. <laughs> well, <laughs> did you? Was that something that was um, you got advice from, knowing how to how the art school works, and mm-hmm. you were oh, prepped for that? Yeah, totally. I, in Dallas, actually, I talked to some of my friends who were going to school, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to go to the academy first and get better and get a degree." And they were like, "What are you talking about? Talk to Carl now. You're good enough to get in. Just go." Mm-hmm. Um, and I it worked out. So, and um, which Your in hindsight, saved you. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Like, some of my best friends now. So, in hindsight, it actually was better because I think the format of the school was better for me. Like, I really needed something a little more rigid and I needed some training, like, really good one on one training. Like, we were there three hours a day. You weren't doing anything but your cast, your figure, whatever you were assigned to do. And you didn't move on until you were done. And I think I needed that kind of a training and it, it worked out in favor for me. So, yeah, it was good. I, I miss it sometimes. It was hard. I don't miss, like, you know, the struggle of it, but it was like, it was, it was, I wouldn't trade it for the world. So, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. What was the hardest assignment that you had in your entire history at that school? Oh man, the hardest assignment. And uh, what, what made it the hardest? You know, it wasn't so much like a hard specific thing because everything that you kind of worked on, you just kind of kept working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. It, it was more like at some point, about like a year and a half in, I just had like a mental breakdown. Mm. I think that was honestly it. Like I, I was working at Kabam, you know, 30 hours a week mm. and then going to school as well, nine to noon every day. And then some days, nine to nine, because mm. we had, you know, portrait painting from six to nine with Coro, which was 
my God, that was like one of the, you know, coolest things we got to do every week. Um, and I learned so much from it. Um, it was like, I think at some point, just like the stress of everything got to me. And, you know, I was 19 when I started, so I didn't really know how to handle a lot of being an adult. I was learning how to be an adult as well as go to school full time yeah. and work and my first job. And um, I think at some point it just kind of hit me and I was exhausted. And I just like, luckily I had a vacation set up mm-hmm. and I went for a week and I came back and I just went right back to it. Right. So, um, but there was actually a point where like, oh man, I had a blanket on it. Um I basically, when I was graduating, my brother was like, oh, congratulations, you're finishing school. You're going to know what real life is like now. <laughs> I remember my head going, oh, you mean I get to go to work at 9 and I get to leave at like 5 or 6? So that's yeah. a vacation. <laughs> because, you know, my schedule was 9 to noon atelier and then noon to 8 or 9 working at Kabam and then I'd go home and do homework, you know? Yeah. And it's like... It was hard, but it was, you know, it's what you had to do to kind of get to where I am now. But so when he told me, he was like, oh, you understand the real life now. I was like, I don't think you know what I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he meant it in good, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was also like, mm, no. Like, brother, where have you been? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, was, that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in comparison, I think a lot of people forget, like, the student life can be harsh. You're, yeah. you're balancing like five different classes you're trying to do, especially you're balancing mm-hmm. schooling and work and life. And it's actually a, a breath of fresh air when you finally yeah. just have like a stable job that you go to and then you just have no homework to bring home. Yeah. And it was like, I was also like, I, I finished the school when I was 21. But before that, like I wasn't 21. So I couldn't mm-hmm. even go out and hang out with my friends and grab a drink. Like, yeah. I could even have like the Friday night drink because I was like couldn't get into any bars or anything, you know. <laughs> and I don't look like I'm over 21 now, and I'm 26. So, <laughs> nope. there was no way I could get into those. Your, your genes are working against you in that department. <laughs> <laughs> I actually get really excited when somebody thinks I'm like over 30. I'm like, yes, you're gonna take me seriously. <laughs> okay, yeah, random fun question. Uh, yeah. Do you try to make the same face on your ID when you present it? That's I <laughs> to like. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I. T- Totally should. Uh, no, that's. I should. Yeah, well, I've I've gone through like about a couple two and a half years ago. I started I started shaving my head like mm-hmm. an undercut. Well, I'll show it to you guys. Um, I just got like you know, gotcha. pretty typical San Francisco haircut. Before that, I had long hair and always tied in a ponytail. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I finally just like got my passport that had the undercut, and it looks so different from like my passport. And like when I was like 19, because it was like, oh, look at this bright eyed little kid. And it's like, bam, San Francisco happened. Yeah. Larry doesn't know the struggle of being ID'd. So <laughs> this is him. <laughs> just he just looks like that since he's been birthed. That's awesome. <laughs> Although I did. I did in Montreal. I didn't get ID'd once. I was so happy about that. And then my boyfriend's yeah. like, you know, drinking age is like 18 here, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me enjoy this moment. Yeah. Well, let's start bringing some of these questions into your mobile experiences. How have you been enjoying being a part of the mobile game development process? And, you know, Mm -hmm. what are some of the things, I guess you could say, kind of contrast to where you came from beforehand? Like, noticeably Uh, contrast. Yeah. It was, honestly, I always, like, when I started wanting to be a concept artist, I wanted to work in film and games and all that. And I'd never really played a lot of mobile games. And it was one of those things where I was like, it was the job available when I left school and when I was in school. And it still kind of is. Um, it's a very different market. I'm definitely like the, you know, Kabam was very much a mobile company. Um, WB ran things a little more like console because, you know, we're working with unity and all that stuff. Um, trying to make sure I don't talk about the game I'm working on because it's still under NDA. I'm sure you guys know, but, um, that was interesting. Like Kabam was like, you know, we got like free food every day and then wow. we had like you know not really any crazy crunch time there was like a couple times i had to come in on a weekend you know but it was pretty easy going we still worked hard but it wasn't I, i'd never like experienced like the crazy crunch time that i hear other console studios have mm-hmm. um you know and then wb had a little more of that um but i it was interesting because kabam was like a lot of the work i was doing 
was like going directly in the game. Whereas I feel like at WB, because we're working with 3D modelers and artists and character artists, environment artists, you're dealing with shaders, I'm learning to design for that function. Gotcha. A lot more like console games are being designed, and I'm really enjoying that. Like I love working on a team with a character artist and environment artist. Um, one of my environment artists, actually, that I'm working with, I'm like doing some you know, environment stuff for him. He like, he worked on Metroid prime and I was like, dude, I played that with my nephew on a GameCube when he was like too young to play it and was too scared to play Samus. And so I had played with him. Like it was pretty cool. Um, I feel like he, you know, but I, am really like enjoying a more console aspect. And I, I primarily play console and PC games. And I think, I think at some point in my career, I'd like to make the switch over and work on like bigger games. Mm -hmm. Um, like, you know, mobile is cool and it's fun and there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with it, but you're just not, you know, because of the format, you know, like, there's, basically what I'm trying to say is there's not going to be a Dragon Age Inquisition in mobile in the next few years or so. Who knows? Technology might get better. I was going to say, you know who knows I mean? for sure, yeah. Like, you, knows, you'd be surprised. Could. Yeah, it could. And it, I'm, I'm excited for it. But, like, you know, like, I, I sank, like, 120 hours in one playthrough of that game, and it's like, oh, God, that sounds like a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, how many paintings did I finish? But, you know, it was crazy, but there's, like, four or five hours worth of, like, character banter and just, like, the depth of a game like that, or Witcher 3, for that matter, or, you know, any of those huge games. Like, mm -hmm. eventually, I'd like to work on a game like that. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, well, I'm going to ask you a fun question again. Which franchise that currently exists that is still in development right now would you just absolutely die for to be a part of oh if it's not god. already Dragon Age? Oh my god, okay. Um, so I don't know if Dragon Age 4 is being made right now. I don't know any of that because they, they can't say anything, obviously. Um, but I don't know, like, honestly, like a Bioware game would be sick to work on. Okay. Um, actually, just the workshop I went to in Montreal, um, Matt Rhodes is there, so it's really cool to get to pick his brain because he's been there for 10 years and you know he was talking a lot about his career there and that was really cool to see and it also made me go wow these concept artists get to work directly with writers and they get to in interject story elements into their characters like there's a character in Inquisition that's like a super hard ass like you know basically like seeker of truth type of knight character but she's got like a really soft side you don't get that till you get you know till you hang out with her in the game and you play there more and there's little things like there's like hearts on her armor like little tiny little things with that are so cool um honestly like that would be super cool to work on it's not i guess it's still in development but dishonor 2 mm -hmm. i love the first game and i love the art style and i would love to work on that game <laughs> and like the whole 19th century not quite steampunk, like not typical steampunk, but definitely like a lot of historical influence with like, you know, cool technological stuff and magic. I was yeah, like, yeah. To work on something like that. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Shout but it's out, more. Shout yeah. out to Arcane. Yeah, Arcane. Oh my God. The team there is so amazing. Um, I, I've been eating up all the concept art they put out. Every time Cedric Pray Ravernay puts anything on Artation, I'm like, right click save. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty amazing. I'm so impressed with your uh, your your resume and name drop ability. Like you, you are on the ball. <laughs> it's like I, I you just, legitimately like follow these people. Like you're not even bullshitting. I appreciate that. That's I'm awesome. like I'm just a huge nerd when it comes to this stuff. It's like if I like something, it's like it's so hard not to delve into it. Especially now that there's like the internet. I remember when like Dishonored One came out, and I remember seeing the characters like the portraits for it, and. Like, I think at the time, like, Cedric Pernavernay hadn't really posted on the internet. I remember, like, looking for the highest res I could find, like, zooming in on the signature, like, who is this guy? Where can I find more of his paintings? And, like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I just, you know, like, I, I did one semester of college in the Philippines, and, oh, my God, if my parents listen to this, I'm sorry. But <laughs> there was one time I, like, I went to a college called um, Del Sol College St. Benilde, and, um... Wow, thinking go back to resume, I completely forgot about this. But before that, my first first job was actually an internship at a graphic uh, as a graphic design intern at my cousin's architecture company. Hey, all so right. Like, was like, hey, come intern with us, and before you start college, I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And then I'm like, all right, who's my boss? He's like, well, you're the graphic design intern now. Design this logo, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I didn't have, and it was great. It was an amazing experience. But so by the time I got to college, I was like a little bored with the basic design classes. I was like, I already right. kind of this on the job so you know and, and we still had the basic classes like pe you know <laughs> like history uh, like 
basic stuff. So I actually would go to the library because they had a really good library. Um, and this is before a lot of like the American concept art books were getting um, sent over to the Philippines. I actually like found the the Star Art of Star Wars concept art books, mm-hmm. like you know Revenge of the Sith. And I remember like you know and, and comics like Sandman was there. There was like Sandman. Yeah. Was that Vertigo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They had a bunch of really good Vertigo comics. They had like Dark Knight. They had all this stuff. And I would just like go there. And there was one time where I was so stuck and like nose into the art of, you know, Revenge of the Sith. I was like, oh my God. Like Ian McKegg drawings, Tail Whitledge, like everybody, Ryan Church, and just digging so deep in that I had missed class. Mm-hmm. But it worked out. I still got like, I still passed it and yeah. then like dropped out of college to go to America. So. <laughs> But it was like, you know, I just, I, you know, I, I just wanted to like get knee deep in the concept art of stuff. So it was just like, it's, it's hard not to geek out when you, when there's so much cool stuff out there. Man, I, <laughs> this is such, this is like already my favorite episode. Oh, no. So much fun. No, it's, it's great interviewing I can you. I sit here and like talk hours about the shit that makes me like stoked about art. <laughs> no, this is, this is so cool. And I just spent a whole week at a workshop with people doing this. I'm, I'm, I got the energy, man. <laughs> so, so I would like to jump in with a mm-hmm. – let's go back into time since we did talk about time travel. Yeah. Do you have that person in your life, like maybe your third grade teacher who was like, <laughs> hey, here's a free box of like the best markers or colored huh? pencils or like – who was like that first person outside of your family that was like, actually, this girl's got skill. I'm going to help her on her path. Do you remember uh, somebody, like, basically playing that role for you early on? Okay, there's a few. Mm-hmm. It was people, and okay. it was a bunch of circumstances. Um, so when I was, like, in middle school, I was in Union City, East Bay. Um, I was in middle school. I was about time when I was getting into punk rock. I've always drawn. Everybody in my family kind of went through drawing lessons, but I've always kind of stuck with it, and I really enjoyed it. Um, at one point, I wanted to be in a punk band, and I was in middle school, and we were doing covers, but, you know, I, at the same time, I was playing a lot of video games. And, you know, I kind of came across, like, I think it was PSM Magazine. And there was, like, a piece of art there by Joe Mad, And I remember seeing, like, it was, like, the Final Fantasy X. Like, I didn't even have a PS2, yeah, so yeah. I couldn't play uh, Final Fantasy X. But it was, like, I don't know, it was, like, Titus and Yuna, and he had, like, the sword or something. And I remember yeah. seeing that. And at some point, like, you know, you flip the page and there's like the process stuff and they're like, Oh, we hired Joe to do this. And I'm like, what do you mean you hired somebody? Right. (laughs) And so I was like, Ooh, and that kind of started sparking that. And I kind of went on the internet. I would look at forums. Like one of the first ones I came across was like team GT and eat poo concert.org of course. And around this time I had seen the concert.org, um, Austin workshop. And I was like, oh, my God, there's all these people that draw these cool stuff. And around this time, I discovered, like, a lot of the MB guys' work, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, Westbrook, Mark Jojovic, like, all those guys, um, you know, Francis Sai, um, just pretty much every name who, you know, was involved in that. And um, I just Larry thought and I will like, keep nodding. As yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I, was, I was waiting for an opportunity to say shout out to Joe Mad because he's Joe the Mad. reason yeah. why I can draw at all. Oh my god, this stuff is amazing. And like Joe Mattis. Yeah, oh yeah. I have the whole thing. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And well anyway, so I just like kinda dug into that and then I found out there's gonna be a San Francisco workshop. And by this point I'd like gone in, like I had like a my dad's laptop that had like five gigabytes on it, and I was like, Holy crap, you can get a job designing these things and you know, whenever we go to Barnes and Noble, I'd look at like, you know, the cover and see who like did the artwork for it. Um and I just found out that you can get a job doing this stuff and I just kind of ate that up and I put my guitar aside and, uh, I still played it, but, okay. um, started bringing my sketchbook more and more. And I found out, and I was this like little ass hat in the seventh grade and I had like <laughs> Loomis anatomy books and I'm okay. like sitting there like sketching these out. And like, um, I remember like some kid going like, Oh my God, there's naked people there. And I'm like, it's bones. Shut up. It's muscles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Oh, and before that, actually, Dragon Ball Z. Okay. I spent so much time drawing Dragon Ball Z. Toriyama. There you go. Um, I watch Dragon Ball Z, and I do all the time. And then it wasn't until I discovered Constant Art that I was like, oh, you can draw other things, too. That's wonderful. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and I, I went to a workshop, uh, my first workshop, actually, in 05, and I was 14 years old. And I pretty much, a lot of the friends I made there are, like, my best friends today. And, you know, I ended up 
these are the same friends that convinced me to go to school at the atelier and these are the same friends that I hang out with and, you know, grab a beer with and get, went to school with and all that stuff. So yeah, it's been, you know, it's funny. A lot of, a lot of those guys kind of saw me start from like, you know, 14 and kind of now. Okay. <laughs> so I, I've been lucky in that I've had a lot of people to kind of look up to and who did not mind sending a 14 year old kid an email back who sent them paragraphs of stuff. Yeah. And my family was always supportive. Like I was the youngest, so I, I got the I got the most slack in the family. They're like, "Oh, you want to do that? Okay, go do your thing." Oh, nice. <laughs> so, all yeah. right. So I have another question for you, and this one is definitely going to help some of the listeners out there, especially the younger ones who are you know trying to come up through the ranks, so to speak, in concept yeah. art. Uh, do you have any tips and advice for increasing your drawing stamina? Right? Like, like stamina? Yeah, for your stamina for drawing. Like, I know a lot of people, and myself included, who are like, yeah, I'm going to draw this, like, epic badass thing. Yeah. And then, like, 20% of the way through, like, shit, all right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Man, um, it's a tough one to answer. Because I feel like there are definitely times that I'm, like, working, especially on, like, a longer illustration, I'm just mm-hmm. like, uh. I think, like, taking breaks helps out. And also, like, if you think about, like, a piece of art more as, like, a problem to solve than say something you have to sludge through and render out all the way then it okay. gets more fun okay. um, I guess like um, I don't know I feel like when my mind's engaged I kind of just lose track of time okay. but when there are times when I really don't feel like drawing and I just have to get through it especially if it's for work I just kind of push through it <laughs> um, but in personal work and you know I was just talking to a friend at work about like burnout um, I think it's about like finding the fun in what you're doing again. Um, I do a lot of personal work outside of work. I try to draw my sketchbook at least every day or every other day. I'm not super strict about it. You know, I try to just make sure I have fun with it. And yeah, I just, just try to find whatever fun I can have in it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You were mentioning yeah. a couple of times, um, even during school and uh, in your professional life, like burnout is a real thing. And, uh, what, are kind of like the pitfalls that you try to stay away from and what advice would you have for those professionals and students to avoid those type of things? Well, it's hard. I mean, like every like situation is different. Like burnout with work, it's like you can't really help that because it's your job and you have to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think like, you know, kind of like a little bit of soul searching and like self-checking and analyzing things and like thinking about where you're at and where you want to end up at helps out. But like the same time, it's like on a daily basis, um, it might be easier if I answer this with an answer. So when I finished school, um, mm-hmm. you know, before that I hadn't really done any personal work in a long time because I was either working on school stuff or work stuff. And when I finished school, I just like went the opposite direction where I didn't really draw anything outside of work for ages. I was like binging all the video games that I missed out playing. I was mm-hmm. like not really doing anything. I'd go to like, you know, I'd, I'd do some drink and draws and I'd do a little bit of life drawing here and there, but I didn't really, you know, wasn't really like, excited about anything i didn't really have that fire under my ass and after a while that really wore down on me and i think in this last year i've kind of had a resurgence in the importance of personal work and i'm finally not finally but i'm starting to realize more how important that is and how i personally as a person and i could not survive without doing it in terms of like mental health, like if I don't do personal work in like a week or two, I am so cranky, yeah. like <laughs> worse than when I'm hangry, you know? <laughs> um, and I think I just like started to a little bit here and there, like five, 10 minutes, just a little dude, a little sketch. And it was just honestly just trying to find whatever I found fun to draw again. And yeah. that kind of led to another thing. And next thing you know, I had like sketchbooks pages that were filled and I do this, I'd go to a bar or like a coffee shop and I just sit there and it's like, don't have to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. Don't have to worry about, you know, when I have to do the dishes, I can wear that when I get home. Here's my hour in the coffee shop and I can just sketch whatever I want. And sometimes I'll get ideas through that. And I think, you know, eventually I just started kind of being able to pick up more and more like, oh, what if I try this? What if I try that? And mm-hmm. just kind of help kickstart and get me back into being excited about things. And, you know, obviously, like, work-life balance is good, too. Like, I don't want to just be drawing all the time. Like, one of my biggest influences is, like, when I travel or when I go hike. Like, I have a personal project right now mm-hmm. that has only started because, you know, we were driving back from Seattle and we pulled off this overpass and we hiked for an hour 
and like all these things in the forest, some reason just clicked in my head. And I was like, Oh my God, that looks like a throne. Oh my God. That looks like a mushroom assassin. Like I need to just draw all this shit. And it's just like, you know, I'm getting a little philosophical and a little like, you know, what do you call it? I don't know. I'm getting a little philosophical about this, but I think it's like, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. And if you're like listening and if you're able to kind of pay attention to it, there's a lot to do and it's easy to get excited about stuff. Um, but I definitely honestly like work life balance and just making sure you're having fun doing stuff outside of work too. And work is fun too sometimes, but you know, it's an up and down thing with work. Yeah. Like, um, I'm sure like the audience is, you're you're coming across like a very passionate person about the, your craft and it's refreshing to hear in this industry where burnout is such a, like a under discussed topic. And, uh, it's great to hear that, um, you know, personal work especially is, uh, I feel like most artists don't really spend that much time while they work in the industry. I mean, especially when life progress and you have a family or like other things happen, like it's kind of falls off, but in a creative field such as ours, I feel it's, if you lose that, it just becomes a job and then you're just showing yeah. up every day. Yeah. And so I mean, that's what's, hard. yeah, it's difficult. It's very Especially difficult. for something in a field where it's like, it does require a certain amount of passion. It does require a certain amount of like putting yourself into the work to really do it. You know, I think it's important to keep excited. It also helps that I just came from, you know, a, it was since studio gathering of the masters and it helps mm-hmm. that I like spent one morning, like, you know, watching James Gurney paint. So that, that helps mm-hmm. too. I'm also like writing this workshop high, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure give it a couple of weeks and I'll like be working on a character and I'll be like, Oh my God, this is the worst. <laughs> but usually I'll just give it a break and come back to it. And another thing I do want to mention though, is that another thing that helps burnout is, um, and I've been talking to a lot of friends about this and I've been hearing it a lot, maybe just because I've been thinking about it. Um, is that, uh, like, you know how the industry has ten- trends, and like, yes. you know, you go to art station and it's an awesome site, but sometimes you can kind of get bogged down, oversaturated with it. Oh yeah. And Matt Rogers talked about this too. You mean the mosaic wall they have every yeah. time you refresh? I mean, it's you awesome. You don't like, like that? <laughs> no, I love it. I think it's really cool. I'm always finding cool stuff for it. But, but time, there's a lot, yeah. Yeah. At the same time. And you know, like, like Matt Rhodes talked about this in his talk as well as like, you get oversaturated with this stuff because there's like, you know, truth of the matter is like something's been drawn and it's been designed in so many different ways. So mm-hmm what do you do? Like, you know, you kind of just have to do what sounds so corny, but you have to do what speaks to you, I guess. Yeah. And when you get excited about, um, and you know, also like getting influences from like things like hiking and going out in the world and seeing stuff and not just other art. Like, you know, if you're just looking at what's happening in concept art now, then you're just, you know, I feel like you'll just end up regurgitating what you see there instead of like, you know, finding different sources and all that. Mm. Um, if that's making sense, I hope I'm making sense with that. No, it totally makes sense. Um, How are you going to innovate if you're just yeah? You know, and I try recycling not to the worry. same stuff. I try not to worry about innovating. I try not to worry about like, am I being original? I, mm. I try not to worry or think about that. I try to remove all the outside pressure of what I'm supposed to be doing, mm. especially in personal work. And I just try to focus on what I want to do. Right. And um, I feel like that's a big thing where it's like, you know, I could read five million articles that tell me about, you know, doing my own IP, doing, you know, being original. And for me, at least, that's a little, that's a lot of anxiety to kind of hang on to. And that's a lot of anxiety to keep in my head. I've got a really noisy head when I work. I'm always like, you know, there are times when I like second guess things. And, mm-hmm. you know, at some point to drown a lot of that stuff out, I just try not to worry about it. And I just go, I'm just going to do what's for me, especially if it's personal work. If it's, you know, for a client, if it's freelance or if it's work, then obviously, you know, I'll do what needs to get done. But for personal work, which is my most important, most fun work for me, I just try to do what I feel like. And, you know, and when there are times that I don't know what to do, I'll do studies. You know, obviously that's, there are always times that I'm like, I don't feel like doing a study, but I haven't painted a study in like a week and maybe I should do a quick one. And then I'm like, oh, I learned so much doing that and it was fun. And now I like drawing whales, you know, like, <laughs> you know, and there's like so many ways around it. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, it's just always checking yourself, like, you know, checking in with yourself every now and then that's helps. Right. So. Well, speaking to you, it's really hard to imagine that, um, you were any other way. Like you seem so on the pulse, like oh. very into the world of concept art <laughs> and into what you do. 
can I've you had some moments where I was dark for sure. Well, can you expand on what what happened a year ago where you had that resurgence? Like, all right, time to do some personal art because something I, I just need to work on. Yeah, you know, I'm getting bored. Or what was it exactly that? And how did you do uh, to fix it? Well, it was a couple things, right? Like when I got laid off at Kabam, I realized I did not have any personal work to show my portfolio, and none of the work I not none of it, but most of the work I did there was either intern work where I was, you know, saving out JPEGs or working with other people's stuff. That I really didn't have a portfolio to be hireable. Right, right. And um, I only had like junior experience, and so I was like, I have nothing but work and schoolwork, and I need yeah. to do other stuff. But that didn't really quite solve it anyway. Like, that kind of fixed it for a little bit. And now I feel like I'm on a steady track. And, you know, knock on wood that, you know, I don't have any piece of wood near me. But, like, you know, knock on fake wood. Um, you know, that, that, um, well, that fake wood. I keep, um, I, I basically, like, I don't know. I just, every time I drew, like, I just hated everything in my sketchbook. Um, I had a really bad, like, moment one time where, you know, we had gone to um, the Hagen Museum in Stockton, California with some friends. And every time I go to a museum and I look at old artwork, whether it's Moran, Sargent, whatever, that friggin' Hudson River Valley School room in the De Young Museum, I would always get stoked to do something, at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. And there was one time, and this was like probably about a little more than a year ago, where we went to go to the Hagen and I look at the line deggers and I just didn't feel shit. I didn't get excited and I've been to that museum a million times and it was the first time I felt like just nothing. And I was like, you know, and I was also like in a really bad emotional state and, you know, I like lay down on the couch and I'm like crying. We're about to go meet friends and my boyfriend's like, what's wrong? I was like, I, I looked at line deckers and I didn't feel anything. <laughs> Like, I was crying about that, and he, like, actually laughed because it was like, the most ridiculous thing. And it's just, you know, it was the same thing where I was just, like, getting oversaturated, and I was worrying about what I'm supposed to be doing instead of what I sh- just wanted to do, mm-hmm. which was draw in my sketchbook every day. And, you know, work was a little rough at the time. And, you know, um, when I was teaching at the academy, too, I was teaching a six-hour class. I would go to work, and I'd, you know... I'd leave at like five or six and I'd get to class and teach till 10. And the class they had given me was a new class. It was my own class. So I had to make all of the syllabus stuff. I had to make the material for the class. I had to do the research again and relearn how to, you know, teach what I already knew how to do and articulate it to students. And that took up most, if not all my time. And it was around the time that I actually sprained my ankle and played Dragon Age. And that game also played a huge role in, you know, kind of me being excited about stuff. I was like, wow, this is like a really rich world. And mm-hmm. these characters are so dimensional. And I ordered the art book the next day and just kind of seeing all the artwork through that, you know, it kind of gave me that same excited feeling I did when I first saw the Revenge of the Sith art book. Mm-hmm. You know, and at the time, I'd also started reading comics again. So I was reading like, I wasn't reading, I was literally picking up comic books specifically for the artist. So, um, you know, I started reading, like, you know, Sean Gordon Murphy comics and seeing how he painted stuff. And he's an amazing, like, draftsman. Like, his ink work is amazing. And I got to see some of it in person at Emerald City Comic Con last year. And I, I just was, like, that person on at his table, you know, like, nose in his, like, <laughs> in the 11 by 17 sheet, you know. And, um, you know... I'd also started a record collection, so I started seeing that kind of artwork again. So it, it basically was just like I needed to kind of get in touch again with like stuff that I enjoyed and then somehow connecting that to artwork and also just letting myself go to a coffee shop or a bar and sketch. Mm-hmm. So, so as far as oversaturation goes, with one specific style, you know, you can feel like you're seeing that or you're being, you know, around it too much, right? But also just the idea of drawing and painting in general can maybe get you to that same point, like with burnout, right? Yeah. Uh, do you have any hobbies where you're like, hey, even though this isn't art related, it still is allowing me to get my creative expression out that isn't drawing and painting, like baking or photography bit. or, yeah. you know. <laughs> I got a little too much. And, uh, I and play does guitar. that help you is the next question. Yeah, yeah. I play okay. guitar. Okay. Um, I kind of was on and off with guitar, you know, since I was 14, but I always enjoyed playing it and I actually keep a guitar near where I work so if I want to take a quick break five minutes I can just pick up my guitar and play um I recently bought a bass um I also got like a yeah I got a little mini synthesizer and here I'll actually show it to you guys it's it's freaking adorable um let me pull it up here oops you got a cord um it's like one of these things 
Oh, and nice. It's okay. Like, it's got like a bunch of different settings, and it sounds like it sounds like. Um, well, I'll show you. Dude, live music on Game Dev on right? This is the first. It's just like random stuff. Like, it's just it's just fun. It's like a little toy I can play with. Oh, that's um, cool. Honestly, like you know, video games is another hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, I like riding my bike. I like hiking and traveling a lot. Like anytime I go to nature, I always want to come home and draw stuff. That's okay. a given. Um, uh, my record collection, mm-hmm. like music, music is a huge part of it. Like I can't work without music. Okay. Like, it's such a huge part for me. And honestly, actually going to live shows, even going to live shows, I've actually taken reference photos and have used lighting setups and color and color inspirations from shows mm-hmm. where I've actually used it in paintings and stuff. So there's that. Um, honestly, just like, yeah, I also cook a little bit. I, we just started using Blue Apron, but I really oh, enjoy, nice. like, I really enjoy chopping things. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you know, and, and actually when my boyfriend first moved in, I, used, I the first week, all I did was make bacon and rice. Mm. He's like, you need to eat something else. And I'm like, I'm an adult. I can do what I want. And, you know, after like a few months of being away from home, I started craving Filipino food big time. Mm. And I found out I wasn't going to get it until I go to Daily City. And I was like, that's, you know, it's expensive. It's bars, you know, renting a zip car, whatever. Mm. And so I kind of like learned how to cook from that. Um, Honestly, it's just like the biggest things I can think of, though, is music and beer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. love craft beers i actually had a personal project that um was related to characterizations of certain beers and it kind of died and then like literally this morning i was like oh my god i just got a cool idea that i could do with this thing and i should do it. and i'm not gonna say it because okay, no i don't want to do the thing where like i talk about it a lot which happened with like every personal project the last few months and then like i do a couple drawings and then i just move on to the next thing so i'm like mm-hmm. Next time, we won't talk about it till I've got a bunch of work to show. Okay. Well, you got to come back and link us in when it's ready yeah, to totally. show. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I might completely drop it and not do it, but, you know, yeah. Okay. We also we also spend a bunch of time in Montreal not just doing art stuff, but drinking and tasting a lot of awesome, you know, beer from um, Quebec and Montreal. And, yeah. And some of those have really cool paintings on them. I'm like, maybe, why can't I work on beer labels? Hmm. Why can't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and actually, Becky Cloonan did a Clutch album cover. I remember walking into like the record store and going like, "Oh my god, I forgot you can do this too!" And so like, I have it up on my wall. It's kind of like you know, and for like a week, I just did everything in square formats, thumbnails, and I'm like, "Hmm, that's another thing you can do is like work on album covers." So that's kind of me trying to marry like my hobbies with your careers. So yeah, and it's more fun for me that way, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's one one of the most important things that I'm starting to reflect on is the the reasons that I went into the industry. I'm not doing the same things as much. I'm not playing games as much, or uh, doing uh, just just loving games in general, right? And uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's very backwards. I think the more the deeper yeah. you go into it, it, it kind of feels like you're 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 treating it more like a job, and it's very yeah. dangerous. And that's when things starts to feel stale, yeah. and uh, the balance of doing other th- other things, other fun things, having fun in general, really helps come back to work, recharge, and wanting to recreate those experiences in an artful type of way. You know, totally, totally. Expression. I mean, it's like the same stuff that got me into it as a kid. Like, had I never played video games as a kid, I might not ever think to work in concept art. Like, for me, that's like a, you know, that's like one of the biggest, like, you know, and and it helps that I have a lot of friends that play video games, you know, and we have friends that work at game studios. And I'm like, oh, my God, I played your game. And, like, it's really cool. Um, Actually, my boyfriend just got a second Xbox a few months ago. Oh, because we wanted one for to play. The room, one for the living room. Well, no, because we wanted one for to, each. We wanted to play Destiny together, and we couldn't. Oh. And it got to a point where I was like playing Destiny like with his childhood friends. Yeah. And I'm like, oh hey, JD says hi, and we're like fire teaming and doing raids, and he's like, oh. And <laughs> we were cat sitting a friend's house, and she has an Xbox, and yeah. he was like, okay, I'm gonna sign on, I'm gonna play Destiny with you guys. Yeah. And we played it, and we were like, 
this is too much fun. And he had just also rightfully timed gotten a check from, you know, doing, he does Magic the Gathering for freelance. And he oh, got nice. a check from that and he's like, I'm going to go buy a refurb. And I'm like, okay, you go do that. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, we enjoy it and it's cool because like you get to see not only the concept art for it, you know, eventually when it gets released, but you see it in action. You see like some of the design decisions and I've definitely been guilty of I'm using this helmet because it looks friggin' cool and not because it makes my light level any better, you know. <laughs> I've definitely like thrown away pieces of gear that I'm like, you know, yeah, but it doesn't like match my characters. No, you know what? Vanity <laughs> is part of the experience. Oh my God, you know it totally mean? Like, is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's cool because, you know, like, you know, it's like it's at the same time, it's like inadvertently researching the medium I work in because I'm like, you know, looking at these games and I'm, you know, I'm seeing it. And I'm like seeing what the potential could be and like how it's used. Like there's one time where I was playing Witcher 3 um, Blood and Wine, that new DLC. Okay. Oh, my God. It's so gorgeous. Like the colors were amazing. It's just a really, really, really pretty um, uh DLC and you know my boyfriend was like playing Destiny next to me on his little monitor and his Xbox he looks up and he's like oh my god that's so pretty and I was like oh wait I gotta pause this and like think about this what if I think about like a painting I was like oh there's totally like you know the atmosphere perspective and you can totally look like it like a painting like it's just a screenshot from a game like well then let me ask you this I'm gonna jump right in so yeah. a lot of games are like shipping with like a screenshot mode or yeah. like some sort of camera <laughs> tool so yeah. you must be going crazy in games like that like Uncharted oh, yeah. 4 yeah. Grand Theft Auto I haven't played Uncharted 4 I don't have a PS4 oh okay right. I know but I'm, getting, I'm gonna get one soon okay. um, Grand Theft Auto for sure like I think <laughs> me and my friends play it we use it more for like stupid things like mm -hmm. one time um and this is before I knew how to screenshot it. So I actually had the game on my TV and I got my phone out and took a photo of the thing. <laughs> but, you know, there's one time we decided where I was like, well, basically, like, take all the characters and just wear the bikini, sh the bikini bottoms mm -hmm. and, like, a tank top and a helmet and ride bicycles around. Like, <laughs> okay. Which is dumbest things. Or it's like, oh, my God, we found a dinosaur. Let's take a selfie in GTA for it, you know. So. Let's take a selfie. <laughs> yeah, it's a selfie. It's it's Los Santos. You know what I mean? Oh, so funny. Just like dumb stuff like that. But I don't know. I, I I feel like you know funny things. Kind of like you know they they kind of do it for me. Like I've never really done a whole lot of fan art. Although I think Star Wars, Force Awakens, and Dragon Age kind of changed that. Where I was like, I'm gonna draw a sketch. These characters are fun. But um, there's actually a series of landscape paintings I started and sketches. And mm -hmm. you know Land's End by Golden Gate Park in San Francisco? It's like mm -hmm. just the coast. And there's like a bunch of like sea rocks kind of jutting out of the ocean kind of a thing. Um, I thought it'd be really funny to do like a series of landscape studies and paintings of just rocks coming out of the ocean. Mm. Calling it just the tip. Oh. Uh, <laughs> like it's stupid. Uh. Yeah, and it's like a stupid pun. But for some reason... That like makes me so happy, and it makes me want to paint more. And I'm like, oh, why not? Yeah, whatever, yeah, <laughs> whatever works. Yeah, I made a character. Like there was like that D and D generator that was like, you know, what's your fucking D and D character? And it's like a, it jumbles up words and adjectives together. And I'm actually partially colorblind, and the one that I got was mentally unstable elf from the tundra who's completely colorblind. And I'm like, oh Whoa. my! So I actually painted her. Yeah. She's like got the tundra thing and like, you know, and then I started coming up as I was working. I was like, oh, well, why is she mentally unstable? I was like, oh, she's like a nomadic tundra tribe and she had a reindeer friend and she had to kill him for something. And that's the cloak she wears. Mm -hmm. But the whole time she's holding like a red potion and a green potion. She's like, which one is it? Uh, <laughs> and it's all just dumb one stuff. One of these is poison. One of <laughs> and I'm actually going to finish that. Like I actually got my portfolio reviewed at, um, gathering the masters and 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 you know matt rhodes has some really good insights of like how i can really push that character more so i'm like oh i'm gonna go work on her again and mm. make her even more colorblind <laughs> so you know it's just fun stuff like that the so. trick is both of them are poison inconceivable <laughs> <laughs> oh man i you know i actually kind of want to have my boyfriend check it because i want there to be parts of it where you can't tell if you're colorblind that you can't tell it's like a colorblind thing mm. it'd be kind of funny but since I'm partially colorblind I have to have somebody check that for me <laughs> so yeah it's just really fun dumb stuff that I try to do in my personal work and I enjoy it <laughs> that's really cool this is man that's really sweet I have to say 
I've been the most entertained interviewing <laughs> you on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Yes, yeah, this is cool. And I'm so sorry for all the technical difficulties. <laughs> oh, no, no, don't worry about it. We're way beyond that. We're way cool. beyond that. Awesome. On. I'm usually like smack on time, like 10 minutes ahead. I'm ready. And I'm like, hey, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the so. great thing is listeners don't even know the difference. <gasps> oh, now they know. <laughs> on time is when they hit the play button. Yep. Uh, so my next question for you is then this. A lot of your early discoveries, right? Like Star Wars influences, you know, lots of landscapes, movies, and paintings. Where do you think, I guess, did you always know that it was going to be games for you, that you wanted to go into games, or did you decide, or did you, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. going to school for concept art, you could have gone into movies. You could have gone into games. You could have gone into album covers. You could have gone into you know, everything else that you mentioned. So why end up in the games industry is my question. I think it was more just by kind of like osmosis. I mean, you know, San Francisco was most at the time was mostly mobile games and it was what was available. Um, I'd like to work on a movie one day. I'd like to work on other stuff, but like, you know, that's just the way my career path went. Um, Mm -hmm. I got a job from, you know, people from school and I had, you know, made contacts through that and they were all at game companies and that's how I got in. And every job I've had since has been like somebody I've worked with or a mutual friend that, you know, has been like, all this stuff and you know you start in one thing and you just kind of keep going with it um which is also why i'm trying to make my portfolio all personal work because i'm like i want to kind of get the work that i want to do a little more but um it just it was just you know it it, what was what was it was what was available Mm -hmm. and it was what my friends were working on and it was what my contacts were in and you know it just kind of fell into place that way um you know, if I if had it been movies that got me into it, I would have gone movies in a heartbeat. But you know, that's easier said than done. You know, movies are really hard to get into. Sure. I don't know if I'm good enough to work on movies. You know, like I'd never worked on a movie before. I'd probably, you know, it's like one of those things where like if I if I want to work on a movie, I definitely would be like you know a junior at first. But mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Like it's you know the work is this was fun and even consoles like some some of the some of the console like applications I'm looking at are like you need to have at least ship a triple A title and I'm like. Okay, just apply anyway, you yeah. know. But I'm pretty happy where I'm at right now, though. So I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm not looking to leave in time soon. But yeah. And my final question for you is: Is it still fun for you, or is it now all work? <laughs> um, it it goes up and down. Okay. <laughs> it goes That's up and fair. down. That's fair. Right now, it's really fun. Okay. Like we're kind of like you know, um, you know, it's fun right now. But there were times when it wasn't fun. And there are times when it was fun and it was just up and down. It depends on working on. Sometimes you get like really like tedious work and you just have to do it. Um, but right now I'm, I'm having fun. As of today, I'm having a lot of fun with what I'm doing. Okay. So, And I'm trying not to say what I'm doing. but yeah. No, no. You, you so far so good. You made it and we're almost done. So I'm awesome. not going to get you to slip up. <laughs> cool. <laughs> not while we're recording. Uh. <laughs> I'll no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, one of the most interesting thing that you said is like you, you attended a workshop that. Yeah ended up having a lot of professionals in those workshops mm-hmm. at yeah. current game companies. Do you see that as a viable way, as an option for students who are somewhat good and are thinking of going the art academy route, but uh, uh, yeah. instead go to the workshops to get better hookups? Absolutely. I mean, I think you should do it even if you're going to school or even if you're working. Like, you know, I've been working for six years, and every time I see a workshop that I can try to go to or have an inkling of wanting to go to, Mm-hmm. We'll go like the Sin Studio workshop ended up being an incredibly good experience for me workshop wise because of the professionals that were there and the attendees that were there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went on the whim of like, oh, let's go to this workshop, but also make a vacation out of it. Um, mm-hmm. When I was I actually had a couple of my students, um, three of my students from when I taught the academy, I was like, you guys need to go to Spectrum Live. Like it's another really good event. Um, I made most of my contacts at workshops and friends that way. And I think it's really important, no matter what level of art you're in. And even if you're like a super, super beginner, which I was, I was 14 when I went to my first one. I had no idea what I was doing. I had an Ikea sketchbook. Like, I didn't even know how to use a tablet yet, but Mm. I learned so much. And I made friends, and I learned from those friends. And, you know, you learn as much from the instructors as you do the people around you. And, you know, I think it's important to get out there, you know, whether or not you're introverted or extroverted. It's like, it's just so much fun. It's just like being around that kind of environment. It's like really... It's a good time. So, and if you're old enough, everybody goes to a bar afterward, hangs out, and you you know, tell stories and things like that, and you know, yeah, all that good stuff. It's it's just a lot of fun, and it's it's really I think it's necessary. You know, like my boyfriend and a few of my other friends, they got work for magic through like meeting art directors at Spectrum Live. You know, mm-hmm. 
I've gotten to work through meeting people at these events. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, yeah, I think they're really important. Do you mind highlighting some of the events uh, that are standouts yeah. throughout the year or websites that yeah. has these events listed? Oh, totally. I mean, like, you know, ArtStation obviously, you know, shows up a lot of, you know, the events that happen. Um, and they were actually one of the sponsors for the Sin Studio Gathering of the Masters um, in Montreal. And this was the first time they did the Gathering of the Masters, and I really recommend that. Um, obviously, I really recommend all of the Massive Black Workshops. So I've gone through like three of the three or four of them, you know, when I was in school, I worked a couple of them and those are always super fun and they always get amazing people to come in and, um, those are great too. Um, Spectrum Live, I go to that every year. Um, you know, I, I kind of joke that it's like my, uh, beer and barbecue pilgrimage as much as it is, um, an art thing because, you know, Kansas City has amazing beer and amazing barbecue and, you know, it's just a fun time. And actually this coming uh 2017 i actually have a table there because i'm releasing a book this year um, i'm doing a sketch, i'm doing a sketch collection uh, save that for us yeah like 10 seconds from now yeah but totally. uh, keep going yeah so i'm doing a sketch collection so i got a table and i'm gonna you know i'm gonna be selling the book there and you know maybe a couple zines i don't know yet it's 27 is a ways away so i got a couple i got a lot of time to plan um the comic cons are super fun i went to emerald city comic con i definitely want to go there again um, the, the schools and workshops are really good too. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, like whatever, I, I mostly go for like, who's on the roster and I'm like, Oh, I want to go there and check it out. Um, I don't think I've really been to an event that I didn't enjoy or at least learn something from. So, mm-hmm. you know, but I know the schools and ones happen like every year, the mess of black happens every now and then, but whenever there's one, I definitely try to go to it. Um, you know, just for the sake of seeing old friends and also getting to see like awesome you know, people like the last one they had, Kim Jong Ji was there and we got to watch him draw. Like wow. it's insane. Yeah. And he was like one of like thirty or something instructors that were like doing crazy cool stuff. I so, got to appear over his shoulder at CTN while he was doing a little demo. Oh my god, he's so great. good. Yeah, yeah. So good. Um and actually going back to like the you know, like how some hobbies, you know, like there's like some there's like some guitarist, like one of my favorite musicians, um, Johnny Flynn. I'm like, oh my god, he's like Kim Jong Ji with a guitar. He just like friggin' plays it, and it just sounds good. <laughs> like I'm even like cross comparing like mm-hmm. techniques, and it's just you know, yeah. When someone's good at their craft and someone loves what they do, it's it's awesome. It's awesome to see. So, well, yeah. uh, you have officially made it one hour on Game Dev Unchained the podcast oh, for your very first episode. <laughs> so thank like you. A really short time. You guys yeah, were no, a blast. No, you were a blast. <laughs> um, so we have a gift for you. Awesome. As a parting gift for every guest who comes on the episode, what we do is Brandon and I shut up for up to two minutes and we okay. let you plug, announce, <laughs> promote, or just, you know, shine light on any personal okay. project or venture that you're interested in or shout outs, whatever you want to give exposure to. The floor is yours. All right. Um, well, so, the, the next big thing that's coming up for me is I'm putting out a sketch collection. Um, I'm working with uh, Sketchpad Gallery. They're doing a launch and a signing event for me as soon as it's done. And um, I'll have more details as they're done. I've actually just decided to add more. You know, I hit 196 pages of art in the first draft. And I did a bunch of work in Montreal. And I was talking to um, Matt Kaler, who you guys guys introduced me to. Or Mm -hmm. he introduced us, me to you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, I got to, yeah, Matt Kaler, Sketchpad guys. Joe Ching, Sarah Hawkinson, and, and um, Chris Kaler at Sketchpad. They're awesome people. Go yes. to any of the shows. Yes. Absolutely. Um, uh, basically, like, I did so many sketches, I was like, oh, I got to add these there. Because if I don't add them now, I'm not going to add them later. So I'm just going to break it. I might, you know, might break 200 pages. We'll see. But I'll finish the layouts. I've got a couple more things to do. Um, I got another freight. One of my favorite bands allowed me to use a song in a promo video. So I'm working on that. Um, I guess just keep an eye out on my Twitter, my website. Um, it's doncarlosart.com or on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Don, Dun Dun Dun. That's D A W N D U N D U N D U N. Um, and I'll post more as I go there. Awesome. So that's it really. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, you for sure have two new so followers. So working on that. <laughs> What's that? You for sure have two new followers. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. And then one of them is a bot. <laughs> one of them's a, yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited. I, it's, it's, it's been an interesting learning experience because like looking at your work that's old and like your sketches and things that aren't really meant to have been shown to anybody, 
a long time and putting it out in a book, there was a lot of points where I'm like, why am I doing this? Who even wants to see this? My boyfriend's had to go like, no, just finish it. Just, all right. So it's, it's almost done. It's almost done. So close. Right. Pre-congrats. Pre-congrats. Thanks. It's definitely going to be a good show for you. Excited. Yeah. Are you guys in the Bay Area too? No, not anymore. We were. Oh, but man. Not in OC. Well, cool. Well, I'm actually printing down there. Oh. I'm actually picking the books when it's done. So Let us know. Yeah, let yeah. us be around. Yeah. Seriously, I will yeah. buy a copy if you sign it. Also, yeah. I'm actually I want to, and I might kick. I know I'm not saying it publicly. I'm gonna kick myself, but I actually kind of want to do a sketch in every one of them if I can. Oh. So okay. even if it's a quick little chubby doodle, but I want to sketch in them. So, all right, now I've committed to it, and I got to do it. <laughs> all right, cool. You heard it here first, exclusive. <laughs> and because the mic is in my hand and I'm the only one talking, Larry Charles, thanks for listening to Game Dev Unchained the podcast. I'm out. Hey, thanks for joining us. I am Brandon Fountain, and I'm out. All right, thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah. Take it easy. <laughs> hey, guys. If you can't get enough of us and want more exclusive content, be sure to visit our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. We collaborate with previous guests and awesome people to bring you bonus content that isn't included in our weekly podcast. Again, it's GameDevUnchained.com.